Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is brought to you by State Farm. Just like football, life can be unpredictable. You know who else is unpredictable? Drunk House. He's coming up later. That's why State Farm agents are there to help with over 19,000 agents. The local State Farm agent can be just around the block. Whether you're talking person by phone or through the app, State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Meanwhile, the Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home, everywhere you take your phone. You can ask Google Assistant to help with routines throughout your day. Say one command and the Assistant can do multiple things. For instance, once you've set up a morning routine in the Google Assistant app, you can simply say, hey, Google, good morning. And the Assistant can take your phone off silent, adjust compatible lights and thermostats, tell you about today's weather, your commute, what's on your calendar, then play music or news or even play this podcast right where you're left off. It's kind of amazing. I might have to add that to my morning routine. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. Want to tell you about a couple things. The ringer.com was on fire this week. So many uh, so many really good stories, including in any given Sunday, oral history, which uh, coincidentally, not coincidentally, was I think the second rewatchable podcast we ever did. So um, we have that and there's some great NBA. There's some great year-end stuff. Really good article about HBO and how they pivoted with the end of Game of Thrones near and did more content and their whole strategy for that by Andrew Grudar that I thought was excellent. But a lot of good stuff this week. If you feel like reading uh, some good material, I would highly encourage you to go to the ringer.com. Ringer Podcast Network, we put up the rewatchables with Godfather Part 2. Longest one we ever did. Lots of good arguments from there. I'm so happy that America agrees with me on Kate Corleone. Weak character. Uh, the people agree. You know who's wrong? Brian Koppelman, Chris Ryan, and Sean Fennessy. They should all be ashamed. I was right as always. You can listen to that podcast on the Rewatchables. You can also listen to the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast where Brian Windhorst and I broke down Game 7, 2016 NBA Finals. The game of the decade for a lot of different reasons. Certainly the most important game of the decade. And we told you all the reasons why. And we really deep dove into that game. And if you care about basketball and you care about LeBron and Cleveland and that whole Golden State season, everything, uh, we emptied the barrel on this one. We did everything we possibly could. So there you go. Coming up, Mallory's going to do her most intriguing. And then my holiday treat to you, a very, very, very special appearance from Drunk House. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, sober Mallory Rubin is here. Drunk House is coming up later. Oh boy! Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh no! Get rid- we had to put him at the tail end of the podcast for a variety of reasons. Oh my goodness! Pun intended. When you listen to it. Wow. Um, yeah. So. What an intriguing tease. What do you got for most intriguing? So, I wanted to start for number three today with a team that is not in the postseason conversation at all. In fact, has lost six games in a row, the Carolina Panthers. But here's why. Because the Panthers have been so bad, Kyle Allen has obviously played horribly the last few weeks, turnover machine, and in fact, Will Greer will be making his first career start this weekend, which is pretty fun. The Greer, are you familiar with the Greer family and... His brothers are Vine stars. Fascinating family. We're worth a worth a Google brothers, search. I didn't even know they had Vine stars anymore. That's, I thought I we've mean, moved on to TikTok. 
what happened? I, I can't say what uh, what the the Greer brothers are doing on TikTok, but I'm I'm sure it's something. Christian McCaffrey on a team that nobody is paying attention to anymore has a chance to to break Chris Johnson's yards from scrimmage record. Oh, one this of my favorite a, random records. Exactly. This it's is like an over incredible 2,400 yards, right? You love a record. So the record that Chris Johnson set was 2,509 yards yeah, in the 2009 Jesus. season. McCaffrey's currently at 2,121 yards from scrimmage. So that means he needs 388 total, 194 in the final, in each of the final two games. Definitely doable. He's playing the Colts and the Saints. Now, they do have strong rush defenses. The Colts are the ninth best rush Saints team. are banged up now. They lost their run stop. That's right. This is just in terms of, uh, of rush Colts yards Colts don't seem allowed. like they have a strong anything anymore. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I think there's a real chance that he does this. And of course, the rush D is only part of it because when you put, when you put out Greer. So where is he now? 21? 2,121. Needs 388 total in the next two games against the Colts and the Saints. Kyle, does that sound doable to you? I think he's going to do it. That seems doable. Here, here's the thing. I think on the one hand, your tendency might be to say, oh, they're putting Greer out there. The offense, which is already a mess, is going to be basically incapable of moving the ball. However, what is a first-time starting quarterback going to do constantly? She's going to dump off to McCaffrey the entire time. So even if the opposing defense is putting, you know, loading the box, putting eight men up to try to stop McCaffrey, first of all, he's obviously capable of breaking through that with a few big plays. But... Look for the screens. Look for the dump offs. I think he can get a lot of cheap yardage that way. And I think he can do this. Love a record. It's great. Love so a what record. Are, what are the iconic NFL records? Because in the old days, a thousand rushing yards, it was a 14 game schedule when I was growing right. up. And now you're just and like a thousand oh. yards seemed like a lot of yards. Right. But now you just randomly realize that Carlos Hyde has done that. It doesn't mean anything. Anymore. Oh, it's. It's like when 25 homers just became irrelevant mm-hmm. sometime in the mid to late 90s in baseball. I mean, certainly the 50 touchdown threshold for a quarterback is massive. 50, 50 you know? TDs for QBs. Seeing I the think, homes do that was thrilling. I think, uh, what's up for receivers? What is it? A couple of people have gotten 2,000 yards, right? Yeah, or 1900? I mean, <sighs> I guess like 100 yards a game is impressive. If somebody gets 1,600 yards, feels like a good threshold for receivers. That doesn't feel like a record to me, though. That just feels like what, you know, DeAndre Hopkins I guess more of a and benchmark. Michael Thomas are basically capable of doing if they have an excellent season. Of course, we're in the era now where if Brady can throw touchdowns again, Brady and Breeze will just be trading the touchdown record back and forth, probably. So that'll Why? be fun. Am I a bad person? Because I'm always annoyed when Drew Brees breaks these records. and Because you want Tom in, Brady to have them. No, no, it's not even that. In, in New Orleans and the... Just like his entire family's there and they have to do the whole thing and Sean Payton and they have to mm-hmm. pretend they like each other. And Which part of that I just feel like you? I've seen this four times. I don't know. I just, I'm tired of it. You're tired of, of Drew Brees loving his family? Yeah, win some win some more Super Bowls. You've only won one. Settle down. What would you rather see? Like Jimmy G with I just a, don't just feel like, a, a harem of women that he's like dating? Tom Brady would, this game would stop and 40 family members would be in the box and it would turn into this whole 10 minute event. You're you're right. You know what we care about? Super Bowls. You're right. Not about like what stupid record did I break? Bill, you're absolutely right. Tom Brady waits to make us watch his time with his family for his first Facebook special show. Facebook show That's so that we and can watch him to, kiss I, his son full on the mouth. And you're I right. can choose whether I want to watch that or not. Yeah. That's better. That's better. You're That's right. That's classic That's way preferable. to do it. Can see his driveway. <laughs> his ni- nice house where he goes on his vacation. That's how I want to spend my extra time. 
When I'm watching football, just keep the game going. Don't stop the game. Keep going. You don't like this? I, you don't like this? I think it's great that Drew Brees loves his family. It's keep going. You know that? that You've been in one Super Bowl in your entire life. Keep maybe, going. Maybe you'll be in another one this year. All right. He should have been in one last year. Not it sure is going to be sure annoying. The record's just going to get traded back and forth. Although, with the way the Patriots' offense is, it might, it might not that get might traded it. back and forth. Yeah. This Drew Brees might be just gaining, gaining <laughs> the lead. Also, like, why don't playoff touchdowns count with this record? I always well, thought that was weird. I agree. That's always been strange. But as you, somebody in a fantasy league with nonsensical postseason rules, know, yeah. it always gets a little bit wooly in the postseason. True. We should make an official appeal to change that so that playoff production counts. Because you should be rewarded for being in the postseason. You should be rewarded. Well, the Brady, like his play, I always talk about this, but his playoff record, which is obscene now, and I forget, I can't even remember what it is, but he doesn't get credit for the bye weeks. Mm-hmm. And the bye week should just count as an automatic win in in the playoff for your playoff record. If you have bye week, that's I'm one and zero. I didn't have to play in the playoffs that week. Interesting. You don't like that idea? Lamar should get a playoff. He should have a playoff win for round one. I don't hate that idea. I think there are some probably unintended consequences of such an adjustment. Because then what happens is you're going to have all the the per game averages would be all fucked up. You know. If you think about it that way, you're actually hurting people by doing that. Hurting what though? Because you'd say you have an extra win. I'm awarding you for your buy. buy I'm not saying it would just get added. I I just think it should be addressed in the record. Right. It should say he's 25 and seven in the playoffs and then plus nine on bye weeks or some way to address what's happened. Yeah. It should be listed on everybody's sports reference page along with, you know, all-star pro bowl appearances and hair transplants. Hey, Jesus. He looks you're, great. He's doing all, great. All you're doing, he's doing all great. you're doing with the cockiness is I'm not, no cockiness. ruining Lamar, cold weather Lamar's chances. I Cold listen, weather Lamar, the most unproven quarterback in the playoffs. Oh my God. This is already exhausting. I'm not ruining anything. I'm not, I'm not cocky. I have plenty of doubt. Brady's 30 and 10 in the playoffs. Great. But we've had at least 12 buys. Why are we talking about this? How did this happen when we're talking about Brady's playoff record? Also, Brady has 73 touchdowns in the playoffs. That's great. I'm happy for you. Let's see what Breeze is. Hold on. Drew Breeze wants to stop the podcast so we can look at 40 family members in a luxury box for five minutes. (laughs) Hold on. His his Aunt Chippy is smiling. (laughs) Happily. Uh, Drew Breeze with a whopping 33 touchdowns. In the playoffs. Pretty good. So congrats on your fake record, your fake regular season record, Drew Brees. Oh my God. I like to count my playoff TDs as well. Anyway, what do you have for- You don't don't have enough already. You don't have enough. Tom Brady hasn't given you enough. You have to create this new whole thing. What's your next most intriguing thing? Number two, elimination watch at last for the Eagles and the Browns. This is finally the weekend. Or not the Cowboys? Well- the Cowboys can win the division if they beat the Eagles. The Eagles cannot clinch the division if they beat the Cowboys, though they would then, as they say, control their destiny, Bill. Who would they play? the ne- It's the Redskins the next week, right? The e- oh, no, they play the, the Eagles play the Giants. The Eagles end with the Giants. That's right. And Dallas... Dallas plays the Redskins. Ends with the Redskins. 
Yeah, so we can't get rid of the Cowboys yet, but we could get rid of the Eagles. We could say goodbye. And how, I think- how, how incredibly well did this line up for the Eagles? Oh. Despite all their injuries, all the shitty things that have happened and how bad they look, now they have this double Dak Prescott injury where he's got I something know. going on with his finger, but his shoulder and he's not practicing and nobody knows what to do with the line. The Just Cowboys are- The fact that they're even alive at this point, the way the season has gone is astonishing. I mean, the, the Cowboys and Eagles are in similar spots, obviously. Not winning the division would be a colossal failure for either of them, but- you know, the Eagles were, the Eagles and Browns, the reason I lumped them together is because they were really two of the the teams of the preseason. Obviously, the Browns were the yeah. most hyped team, including here at the Ringer. Not by this guy right here. <laughs> it's true. Not by you. I was never buying Freddy Kitchens. You were out on Freddy Soups from the jump. But I think it's it's less even about this season at this point and more about the reset for both franchises moving forward. Who is in a better position to immediately come back next year and contend again? I think it's interesting that the thing that's happening with the Eagles right now, because as you noted, the injuries have been really like catastrophically bad to the point where even when, you know, the the, the narrative has come for Carson Wentz, but even then you say, well, who who could he possibly be throwing the ball to? You know, basically. Zach Ertz and that's it. Everyone is hurt. Injuries on both lines, injuries and in, in, in all the skill positions. Jordan Howard's been hurt. Well, but, then the Alshon, old man Alshon Jeffrey. Yes. 18 injuries. He finally broke down. Finally. I mean, he's he's hurt every he's the the proto Will Fuller. Hurt every week and a half. I'll never it's forget brutal. watching him with Jerry Rice on the Niners in the 1980s. <laughs> they were unbelievable together. Man, Alshon Jeffrey great. used to be truly wonderful to watch. I and loved what, watching him in South Carolina. That's I loved what was so players. crazy about watching him this year, though. He's athletically so compromised. I know. This has been the week where the Eagles have come out defending Carson Wentz. Yeah. It's kind of amazing that we've arrived at a moment in time where that's a necessary thing for Carson Wentz. You know why that's happening? It's December on the East Coast. It's fucking miserable. There's nothing else to talk about. The weather's freezing. Holidays are coming. It's like bah humbug. It's here it is. It's 12 degrees again, and I'm going to scrape the ice off my car. And they're pissed off that the Eagles aren't better, and they just need somebody to blame. And you can't even blame Doug Peterson because you can't do the whole, man, if we had Frank Reich, because Frank Reich's team just Uh, cratered in Indianapolis. Yeah. So it's they just look around. And it's like, oh, it's that guy's fault. We've never he never won the Super Bowl with us. Right. What has he actually done? That now that's like sports radio arguments for five days, and there and you're off. The fact that, I mean, I, I think we all root for Nick Foles and want him to do well, but the fact that Minshew Mania ultimately came for Nick Foles this year twice, yeah, is probably one of the only good things that happened to the Eagles this right. season because if. If Nick Foles were playing well for Jacksonville, and ja- I mean Jacksonville is also you know about to enter a basically a full teardown, Coughlin fired yesterday, that would be something that seemed like maybe hard for Wentz to over to overcome, especially given the contract he's on. Not that Foles' contract. Well, is- he said it. He said this is the biggest game of his career. So that was what I was and just going like, to bring boy, up. That's sad. This is the biggest game of your career. So- this- crappy Cowboys team. I was a little bit shocked when I saw that for the first time. And then I was thinking about it a bit more. First of all, it's presented to him. You know, do you think this is fair to say? It's not like he just came out and said, this is the biggest game of my life. It is still kind of shocking. And then, of course, you have to remember, well, he didn't, you know, he didn't play in the Super Bowl. He was hurt. Nick Nick Foles played in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. It is still incredible, though. And I think a really... Uh, emblematic insight into the pressure that the Eagles feel and how big the end of this season really is. If you make the playoffs, you make the playoffs, and then it's not like the problems go away. But considering the Eagles were held up in the wake of their Super Bowl as 
not only a team that won a championship, but kind of the new poster team for 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 modern day roster construction, for team building in the present day NFL. That is the thing more than how any individual player is is performing or can stay healthy or whatever. That is the thing that suddenly becomes uh, a talking point and and seed a seed for doubt. If you make the playoffs, that that part of it goes away, and you have the position to bounce back quickly. I think that I we I assume we would agree that. It's still they, ten times out threat. of yeah, ten times out of ten, pick the the Eagles over the Browns. If you had to say, I'm starting with one of these. Well, they also won a Super Bowl two years ago. The Browns have won nothing. They've had two centuries of sadness, and they're in a worse place than they were twelve months ago, which seems impossible. It, it's extraordinary that things have somehow gotten worse instead of better. The, the big winners with the Eagles thing is the ringer, because I think if they go four and one, Chris Long comes back, and then we lose him off the Rosillo Monday podcast, oh my which God. is really good. That a wonderful podcast. Yeah. A wonderful And I podcast. feel like there was a moment there where the Eagles could have conveyed, been like, hey, man, we're so you're the missing piece. And then he's all of a sudden, we don't have him anymore. You know what they say, Bill? Root for the story. We're rooting for the content here. Yeah, we need the content. <laughs> That's a great podcast. There's always a chance that the, the Browns beat the Ravens, but the Ravens are fighting for seeding, for playoff position, for a bye, for home field. And also the Browns are one of only two teams that have beaten them this year. And that that game was kind of shockingly lopsided now looking back at it it was before the Ravens obviously got hot and went on this win streak I don't I don't think there's any way that the Ravens take that game off they're com- they're coming for the Browns let's just say it's covered a million dollar picks I'm in sure our next it segment. is I'm sure it is Odell by the way this has been fun to track going from you know all the murmurs about oh come get me you know the trade talk bubbling up the yeah. discontent among receivers and various members of the team in Baker to now saying that it's too special. It's too special to leave. You can't leave Cleveland because it's too special. I just find that absolutely hilarious from probably like a self-preservation perspective. I root for Odell and I really hope he's happy. I still, I mean, I, I really like watching Baker play and I still hope that he he can put it all together, but that's, my God. That's your weirdest take. Liking Baker? It's I, a, I just, I honestly don't see it. I've watched a lot of Browns because I had Nick Chubb and I had Jarvis Landry. I always had them on the TVs. Either they're fascinating in a dumpster fire kind of way or my fantasy guys are involved or Freddie's doing something dumb. I just don't see the talent with Baker. I really don't. I don't get it. But that's not how you felt as recently as four or five weeks ago. I, I mean, I'm just telling you what I've been watching. I don't... Now, could you create something that works for him? Yeah, I think you probably could. Is he just a traditional, hey, Baker, go out there and create some plays for us? I don't see it. No, but the fact that he's not the traditional go out and just do the thing is the inherent proposition. He He's not common, right? There's something specific and unique about his style of play and the energy that he brings. Is, is it unique that he has fucking sucked? Like, seriously. Like, he's absolutely sucked. Well, no. I mean, sadly for Cleveland fans, that that is not unique. That is the standard, you know? Because I think if you had him, like, in the Eagles offense that they ran to win the Super Bowl, that mm-hmm. basically that RPO-heavy offense where it's just quick decisions every time, I think he'd be really good. He just completely breaks down as soon as it's over two seconds. He makes the wrong decision over and over and over again. And at some point, it's like, you are who you are. If he's making the wrong decision over and over again on who he's throwing to, I don't know if that's fixable. I don't. It's stunning to see some of the choices he makes. Like it, like on Sunday, oh, there's Ricky Seal Jones over the middle with two guys on him. Right. I'm going to throw to him over Landry, who's five feet away and wide open. And you see that, you're like, is this guy good? 
Yeah, but the offense is broken functionally. The the offense and the team are broken. And I think that it's it's just at the point where the the way that things have festered there this year and obviously well beyond it, it, it makes it almost impossible to disentangle his ability as a quarterback from everything that's unfolding around that's him. That's fair. I just think from what I've seen, he's been absolutely terrible. The, your, your point about the time thing is definitely right. He's been, the fact that he has been holding onto the ball as long as he has this year and then when he is working through his progressions or failing to work through his progressions is consistently making the wrong choice is undeniably a well, regression. Well, reminds me of Trubisky. Trubisky has a similar problem oh where if it's like, if if the play hasn't happened in the first two seconds, it's a disaster. He's going to do the wrong thing. And now they've at least figured out, oh, you know, he's a fucking good athlete. We should roll him out and have these planned things. But it's like, he has to know exactly what's going to happen heading into when he gets the See, ball snapped to him I guess, or he's screwed. I think that it's possible that part of this is just be, is my college football fandom. Because the, the thing that you were just describing is like, is is actually contrary to the player that I watched for years. The thing Baker that or Trubisky? B- Baker. I'm Trubisky is always. But been Baker's this guy. gonna be 25 in April. Like at some point. No, I know. That's true. But the 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 thing that he was able to do, I mean, back at back at Texas Tech, too, under Cliff, but certainly at Oklahoma in the Lincoln Riley offense, he was he was an inventor. You know, he was an artist out there. It didn't actually, I mean, and Lincoln Riley is a genius. And so the play calling was a huge part of the apparatus of what allowed the Sooners to, to run that offense and dominate in the fashion that they did. And we have seen, you know, Baker to Kyler and now Jalen Hurts was just a Heisman finalist after transferring. You know, to do that three times in a row with three transfers, of course the system is a part of that. But I, there was never a moment where I watched Baker play and thought he's a system quarterback. He's a product of the system. The way that he was able to improvise on the fly, it was like, you know, we're we're in a we're in a big Star Wars week, new movie coming yeah. out, Mandalorian entering the final stretch. The way that he played at Oklahoma and some of what he did as a rookie, it made me think of Kyle, this is for you, an X-Wing pilot. Nice. When you're out there and chaos is unfolding around you, it doesn't matter what your commander told you to do. You just have to be able to react. It's you and your astromech and you have to figure it out. And he always struck me as a guy who could do that. That has gone away. And I don't think that's a, that's a product of his physical ability or even his mental ability to grasp the game. That feels like it's a product of the situation that he's in and the, the toxicity that has crept into that clubhouse this year. So I think the question is, if they reset, can he get that back? Is that a kind of magic he can rediscover? Or is it the kind of thing where like, now, again, your point or about his age is well taken. maybe he was just well good taken. in college. Maybe. I mean, sometimes well, this happens in baseball sometimes, right? With young pitchers. You put them out there, it goes poorly, and they can't, they just can't discover it again. Maybe it'll be something like that, but I'm not quite, as disappointing as the year has been, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to, to, to write him off. I would love to see Lamar Jackson get a single endorsement instead of watching 25 Baker Mayfield commercials all the time, though. That would be nice. Are you and Kyle done using nerdy Star Wars analogies that I don't understand Def- to describe Quarterback not. Okay, definitely not. Yeah, I think even you would recognize an X-Wing. I don't know what that is. We're going to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take a break. Talk about Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig. Much like a premium espresso machine. I always say espresso, but it's espresso. It's like I say Wimbledon instead of Wimbledon. Mm, I I have pronunciation dyslexia sometimes. The Drinkworks Home Bar makes cocktails... Much like a premium espresso machine would, only it's cocktails. 
home bar pods made with premium spirits, real ingredients, and natural flavors. It could be as simple as a delicious vodka and soda. It could be as complicated as a vodka and cranberry. I guess that's not that much more complicated, but they make, it's all drinks like that. Calibrated perfectly. Over two dozen different drinks to choose from. Something for everybody. Bar quality cocktails, freshly made. The push of a button. The only way to get it at a discount plus free shipping, go to drinkworks.com. Use my code BS at checkout to save 200 and get free shipping. It's an amazing offer that will not last. That is only for my listeners. Drinkworks.com. Use my code BS at checkout. And remember, please enjoy responsibly. Drinkworks Home Bar, currently available at California, New York, Florida, Missouri, Pennsylvania, and Illinois locations, meaning the states, with more states available for pre-sale today at drinkworks.com. While we're here, Square makes that little white credit card reader that lets anyone take payments. They also make Square Stand, the white register that swivels around so you can sign up and tip on it, make your barista happy or whoever. Running and growing business, it takes more than just payments. That's why Square has so many more tools that can help, like the new Square card, a business debit card for Square sellers that gets your money to you. As soon as you make a sale, there's no minimum balance fees, overdraft fees, or any other service fee. You also get 2.75% off every purchase at other Square sellers. Seriously, at any and every other seller that uses Square, you get a discount. Yeah. It's just the latest and greatest from Square. They have so many other tools to help you from point of sale to payroll, no matter what stage of business you're at. See all the way Square can help you take your business from square one to whatever's next at square.com slash go slash BS. All right, coming back. Yeah. One more intriguing than then you wanted to talk Star Wars. I'll begrudgingly do it. What's your last intriguing? <laughs> I have an intriguing for you, actually. I want to throw you after this. Okay. My, my number one is... Saturday. Yeah, what three an awesome games. Really fun Saturday. Yeah. Somehow, Saturday in week 16 has erased and replaced what Thanksgiving Day is supposed to be, where you actually have three destination games, st- staggered programming where each game has its own time frame, its own window. You want to gather either with your family or if you want to avoid them, that's your excuse to avoid them. You make a day of it. And Every single game matters. We have Texans at Bucks, Bills at Pats, Rams at Niners. Playoff implications, seating implications. The for Bucks all thing's of them. a bummer because I I think the losing both of those guys the is too tough injuries. for them. Yeah, it's Brashad Perriman as your third guy is awesome, but if he's my number one guy, I'm pretty sure I can take him out. Let me tell you something. As a Ravens fan, seeing Brashad Perriman with multiple touchdowns on the scroll is a real jolt to. That's a real am I in the twilight zone? Yeah, thing I for thought me. he was a rookie, and then well, the looked at his stats, him in the first and I was like, round "Oh, out of Central oh, Florida." I had no idea it was the same guy. I thought it was like a different Brashad Perriman. Oh. Pretzel Tough Perryman, one. yeah. <laughs> Tough one Oof. for you. Brutal. He's good. He's been really good this year. I, I mean, he's stolen some Godwin Evans TDs. It was all just it was health for him, and team. then the ability to find his way into the offense. So it's, it's a, it's not a proud. I don't have a of- lot of high hopes for that first game. I think Pat's bills is going to be an absolutely riveting, ugly game. Pat's bills is incredible. The fact that the bills still have a chance to win the division. I mean, it's not going to be easy. They need to win both this week and they need to beat the jets in the final well, week. And the Pats would, the Pats would have to, to lose up. not yeah. only this game, but to the dolphins. I, 
It's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's not imp- the fact that it is a possibility, however remote. I think uh, if I recall what what our colleague Ben Glicksman told me earlier, I believe five thirty eight is project only projecting a three percent chance that the Bills could take the division. It's like it's it's slight, but it's possible. And Bill, all you need is hope. Hope is a good thing. Never forget not in that. This case. Hope is hope, hope is a good is thing. A sad, unhappy thing. <laughs> it's going to be a slugfest. It's because of the nature of the the style of play for both teams. It's probably going to be one game where we can take a break from concerns about the Patriots offense because you're expecting a low scoring game heading into it. But the inverse of that is that the Bills defense has been playing exceptionally well, the pass rush in particular. And I like the Bills team. I know you do. If Brady has if Brady lays another another egg here, it's troubling. It really is troubling heading into the playoffs. I'm already troubled. So I have I'm, a I'm huge already there. smile on my face I've right been, now. I've I've passed the point of being troubled. One and thing then the that, last one is that fucking weird Rams team. I know. So the, the Rams, Rams is like, is there a bigger swing between they might be good in this game versus they might actually lose well, by 30? They can be eliminated right. from the playoffs. I mean, the team that was in the Super Bowl last year could be eliminated from the playoffs this week. I thought about the Niners for million dollar picks. And I think what's happened to their defense is alarming. Mm-hmm. You're talking six a six week stretch here where except for I think one game, they've they've teams have just gone up and down the field on them. And what the Falcons did last week was nuts. So that yeah. game should have been over and your defense, your home, like closed the game and they just couldn't do it. And, you know, I hate when the division teams play for the second time, taking the favorite in those, because yeah. it always makes me nervous. There's the familiarity. But they on the flip side, they just annihilated Goff the last time. And Goff looked as helpless as he has all season in that game. Yeah. And now the Niners defense isn't the same defense, but it's still, that's in the back of my head. Like he was so bad in that game. I expect the Niners to play well and Goff to play poorly, but we'll see. Again, the Rams are fighting for their life. Well, the other thing is if the Niners are a real true Super Bowl contender, this would be the game they write the ship. Yes. They kick the shit out of the Rams 33 to 10. Oh, let's take kind of like what the Saints did last week. There's there's definitely a a, a possible outcome here where after a, a, a Niners title, we look back at this stretch and say that was where they realized the problems they had to address or that was when they got healthy and dealt with X, Y, and Z. Well, they also had just a lot of tough games in a row. Yeah, their schedule is brutal. That was a really rough, like having that Seattle-Baltimore combo, all that stuff. Yeah. The thing about the Texans, about the first game, is that, you know, they got through the Titans last week, but they could still... I mean, they could win the division. They could get a, they could get a bye, or they could miss the playoffs. Still, that's a, that's an incredible possibility. You left outcome. out one more record that's at stake. Jameis going for three straight four fifties. I knew you would bring it up. No, going for four hundred fifty yards in three straight games. He's already broken the record with two in a row. Uh, good for him. <laughs> what a fantasy year for him! Swinging fantasy leagues left and right. I mean, it depends on the league you're in and how many points you lose for interceptions. True. I mean, goodness. All right, Star Wars. Oh, I have my most intriguing for you. What is it? I was so fascinated by this Jacksonville story. Yeah. It was like reading stories about Bud Kilmer and Varsity Blues (laughs) finally getting forced out and and the team pushing the statue over and all the grievances and how they, they, what was it, like one third of all player grievances came from Jaguars and the fact that he finds somebody for sitting on the bench. I know. He just sounded like a fucking maniac. The Fournette thing was... Pretty remarkable. I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of astonishing to parse through it all. And you just sort of feel glad that this, uh, some sort of system is in place that ultimately allowed it come to, to come to light. But it's also like, how is that happening in the first place? Well, now it makes sense why Jalen Ramsey hightailed it out of there, right? Sure. Because he was basically like, my problem is with one man. And 
I'm reading this story going, wow, he seems like a nutcase, meaning Jalen Ramsey. But now you read all this other stuff. And I Jay- can't- Jalen Ramsey is a, a thoughtful guy. Well, I can't believe that they let it linger this long. I don't well, understand how you have a situation <sighs> that dire happening for months and months and months and nobody does anything. Because what the hell I, are you doing, Shad Khan? NFL teams are are they're they're powered by inertia. I mean, they're not built to actually make meaningful change and address systemic problems. Things linger and fester and only when somebody is forced to act do they unfortunately well, you could fire your old fart psychopath i mean vice the, president. The, of course but the thing is we're not actually that many years removed from him being brought in specifically to rebuild which is kind of strange to think about now given the you know the youth movement and the nature of change in the nfl in recent seasons but we're not that far removed from that very strange story very strange. I think their offseason is going to be fascinating to track. The front office changes. He really sounded like he was nut job. Potential coaching changes. Who knows what they're going to do with the quarterback situation. Carolina and Jacksonville seem like two completely blowed up teams. Yeah, well, I yeah. can see both of those. Uh, well, Carolina's owning that already. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. Carolina's been doing. pretty yeah. pretty blatant about it. Um, Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker, episode nine, the conclusion of the Skywalker saga comes out tomorrow. I'm sure I got some the people screener will see it tonight. What? Yeah, have the screener. Hey, dude. Are you going to see it? Are you going to watch it? No, I don't watch Star Wars. Okay. Well, that's upsetting. We don't have much to talk about if that's your answer to the question. I know what's going on. It's, here's, here's what I'll say. You know, I don't want to, I've seen the movie. I've screened it. Uh, We should mention you host a podcast called Binge Bunk Star Wars on the Ringer Podcast Network. Please give it a listen. We have many hours of Star Wars content there waiting for you. I... I'm obviously not going to spoil anything for anyone because most people will not have a chance to see it till this weekend. But the thing that's interesting to me, in addition to the fact that this is the, you know, Star Wars is is not going anywhere and I I refuse to believe that even the Skywalker saga is over. But nominally, it's the end of the Skywalker saga. And currently on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a 58% rating from critics. It's getting absolutely panned. and Looks awful. Last Jedi, the prior movie, was very divisive. I personally loved it. I'm sure a lot of people will get in my mentions about that, but I don't care. I stand by the take. It was an important, courageous movie that moved the story forward in a lot of ways that I thought were important and good, and that if you love fantasy stories, you should appreciate. Heading into this film, there seemed to be a concerted, organized effort among the people involved with making Star Wars to walk back and distance themselves from the prior film, which I took, oh, to, be a, to, took to be a troubling sign. That happened with the Halloween franchise. When they would come with a new Halloween sequel, they'd be like, hey, those last three were not going to pretend those didn't happen. Yeah. So I think talking about what actually happens in the movie and the plot of Star Wars and how Rey's arc and Kylo's arc and everything else concludes. Shouts to my dude, BB-8, best droid and best character of all time. I think it's an interesting moment to assess the state of Star Wars. And certainly given the success of The Mandalorian and the joyous collective celebration of Baby Yoda and everything happening on that front, if the primary film franchise staggers and we're only a couple years removed from the solo film not going well. Directors, people pulled off the project, a lot of changes. Kevin Feige now coming in 
really interesting time for Lucasfilm and Disney and watching what's happening with how they are making Star Wars and, and what they want to make and in well, what ways they want to make it. embarrassing that Mandalorian is more kind of grabbing the cultural zeitgeist than this movie might? Well, if I this th- movie's not good? I think that the, you know, the movie's going to... Adam Driver's playing Kylo Murray, right? Yes, Kylo, 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 Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Kyle, should we should we tell Bill that his name po is Cameron's Kyle Ren? Poe Cameron's in this. Yeah, Poe Dameron. You would like Poe. He flies Hulk. an X-Wing. Is General Hulk in this one or no? Hawks. Emperor Palpatine. Well, he said that one right by accident. I'm just well, reading he's familiar with He's familiar with Palpatine, of course, from the original trilogy. All right, so you're not into Star Wars. Well, I hope that everyone out there has a meaningful Star Wars experience. And it's a special moment in our culture. It's also potentially devastating in the same calendar year for Game of Thrones and Star Wars to end like this. <laughs> oh, so you think this is potentially it? Well, no, they're going to keep making Star Wars forever. I mean, not literally nothing in the world is built to withstand a stumble better than Star Wars. Okay. I mean, the prequels, you know, people uh, loathed The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and it didn't make a damn bit of difference. Right. People love Star Wars. People are always going to want more Star Wars. I just think that the nature of how Disney thinks about making Star Wars could potentially hit a little bit of a reset, which is fascinating. I have a pivotal Star Wars question for you that I think is more important than any of these other things. Okay. George Lucas comes to you and says, <laughs> "Yeah, my hair beard thing, I'm starting to feel like maybe maybe it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. What should I do? Mm-hmm. What would you tell him? Would you tell him to go bushier with the beard? Would you tell him to do like a long KG kind of chin thing? Yeah. Um, with, so, with a little mustache, like what would your move be? I'd, Shave his head? No, nah, I definitely would recommend a, a Mandalorian helmet, full Beskar helmet. You know, <laughs> okay. Iconic look, one of the most recognizable images in all of the world is the Mandalorian helmet. I think, uh, I think that would be the move for George. But here's the thing about George Lucas: he sold Lucasfilm for four point zero five billion dollars, and he's, he's fine. No matter what, he's fine. It's amazing. <laughs> also, he made Star Wars. He's fine. What a run for George Lucas. <laughs> An American graffiti. This is great. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, American graffiti, a huge influence on Star Wars. It's yeah. just cars in space. Yeah. All, uh, the X-Wing, which you said you didn't know, like a race car. There you go. Of course, Harrison Ford. I think Fast and Furious has replaced Star Wars. Oh. I mean, that, that is just not true. I'm sorry. But it's, sure. Does it make more money? Definitely not. No way. The Fast First movie doesn't make more money than Star Wars? How much does Star Wars make globally? The Force Awakens, which was episode seven, I think crossed $2 billion. Oh, that got half, of the, oh, half of the purchase, purchase price from Lucasfilm back. <laughs> Just in one movie. It sounds like this one is tracking to make a little bit less, which is not a good sign. Well, it's been a great movie year. Sure has. I've really enjoyed a lot of them. Adam Driver. Great year for him. Kylo Ren and Charlie from Marriage Story all at once. And he's got the report. What a time for him. Great time. Great Thank times goodness. for you. Mally Rubin. Bill Happy Simmons. Hanukkah. Hey. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays Happy to you. Happy holidays. Yeah. Happy holidays to you. We'll see you on the other end of the new year. Okay. We're not doing this next week. I mean, nobody's going to be here. I'll be here. I'll be here. You let me know if you need no, me. Maybe we will do it next <laughs> week. Bye. And now it's time for the State Farm Safe Bet of the Week. The player you can count on just like football life can be unpredictable like the two Super Bowls Eli Manning won 
That's why State Farm agents are there to help with over 19,000 agents. A local State Farm agent can be just around the block whether you talk in person, by phone, or through the app. State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Kind of like the person we're about to talk about, who you can count on exactly half the time over the course of his career, Eli Manning. He's 117 and 117 with two games to go. These are probably going to be the last two games of uh, of his career unless a GM from another team has a head injury and signs him to make him starting quarterback. Here are the stakes for Eli. He plays the Redskins in Washington this week, and then he's home for the Eagles the next week. So he's got to go one for two to get to 500 for the year. Because as you know, nobody who goes under 500 as a starting quarterback who's played more than 200 games should ever be in the Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. Um, he's got to go one for two. This Washington game, there are going to be no Redskins fans there. The Redskins fans are horrified by this team, by the franchise, by going to the stadium. It's going to be cold. You know who's going to be there? Giants fans saying goodbye to Eli. That feels like a glorified home game for him. And then the next game, week 17, Philly uh, at the Giants. If Dallas beats Philly this week, Philly's basically out of it. So who knows who they're even going to start. I just know Eli's going to win one of these two games. Because uh, sometimes, I know I've won a lot of titles as a Boston fan, which is why God does a couple things just to annoy and pester me for the rest of my life. One of those things is going to be that Eli took two Super Bowl rings for my favorite team. The only little glimmer of thing that I had that I really enjoyed was that he was going to be under 500 for his career and that I could make fun of all the Giant fans that I know that he's not a Hall of Famer because he went under 500. I mean, at that point, you might as well be like, Gus Farratt, I know he's going to win one of these two games. And I'm not going to have that either to lord over my giant fans' friends. So count on this. He's winning in Washington, or the next week he is uh, going to take care of business at home at the Eagles. And then I'm sure he's going to become an announcer and he gets to torment me in other forms of my life as I listen to him announce games that I've been on, probably games that I will lose. State Farm, talk to an agent today. All right. So it was a very busy week on the podcast front here. I did the podcast with Sal. I had Kevin Garnett and Adam Sandler. I did the longest rewatchables we've ever done. The Godfather part two put up an hour long video, me and Marcelo breaking down the 12 best moments of the NBA season. And then if that wasn't enough, a book of basketball podcast about the most important game of 2000, uh, the 2010s, which we picked game seven, 2016, did that with Brian Windhorst, uh, the finals, LeBron, the block, all that stuff. And at this point, it's like, I'm having the greatest podcast slash multimedia week that I've had in 2019. What is the last piece we could have here? And the answer to that is Drunk House. And we've invited Drunk Joe House. <laughs> He's from coming from a holiday party. America wanted him, and he's here. This is where it all comes to a to a screeching halt, Bill Simmons. I mean, this is where honestly, this is where Drunk House, the the origin, the or, origin story of Drunk House, is this moment. Uh, I think a year ago, or maybe it was two years ago. I don't, I don't remember any longer. Every year, I get together with this group of friends around this time of year. We go out, we sit down like gentlemen. We have uh, at lunch, you know, we order drinks, seafood tower, some steak. We try and think about all of the great things in our lives that have happened, all the blessings that we have, and we lose our fucking mind. So uh, I've come back from that. It's 5.15 on the East Coast. 
And I just arrived back to my office from this lunch because that's how long a holiday lunch goes. And yeah. this might be the last podcast you ever have me on. I well, mean, the, the good <laughs> thing is it's not live. So we, we always have the ability to edit. God bless. I uh, mean, Kyle the is on the wheel. So <laughs> anything's possible. It's like, is, is he up to this task? Because like, uh, I mean, I can't tell you. I will tell you the searches that I've already done to prepare for this podcast. Yeah. But they're not good searches. They're not good places. I've ar I'm already in dark places. Well, you haven't been on in a couple of weeks. We had the holiday break. The last time you were on was right before Thanksgiving. We talked about Thanksgiving stuff and things people should eat and all that. Now we're heading toward Christmas. Another time that is very sacred for you because it involves more eating and more reasons to gather with large... Um, with large things of food on the table, sharing, picking, multiple courses, cookies, brownies. You're getting holiday treats in the mail. Um, what, what, what's what been the highlight so far from a food standpoint? I mean, all, all this is true. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And yet on my browser right now, I have opened an incognito window <laughs> oh, no. where it says top 20 best 2019. Like, I mean, what am I looking at? Why? Am I looking at backdoor covers by the Seattle Seahawks? Yes, I am looking at that. That's exactly what I'm looking at. Oh my God. But why am I on this browser at this moment? Can Kyle, I mean, I need, I need some help from Kyle. Drug um, house. I'm very excited. This Drug is, a, this is a great time of year. I have, there are seafood towers. It like literally every two days of the week, a seafood tower, shrimp cocktail every day of the week. Yeah. Uh, vodka martini uh, every other day. Today. Oh, listen to this, Bill Simmons. This is, I think you'll, you you might get down with this. This is the time of year for this kind of drink. This is my drink at a, at a, at a holiday lunch. By the way, lunch is dead. We did the hottest take on this. Yeah. But. A holiday lunch with your pals, that's an exception. That's a whole different thing. It does not, lunch is not dead when you're getting together to celebrate something with a group of pals. Uh, you you know a lot of the guys I got together with for this lunch. These, well, that, these are some some great mutual friends of ours. Yeah, but that's that's beyond the lunch, though. That's almost like an event. That does that doesn't count yes. as a lunch. I agree. That, that's exactly right. Here, here's the drink. Here's my go-to drink. I walk in, I sit down, and I say. I want a Bloody Mary. I want three olives. And I want to, I want you to put lots of vodka in that Bloody Mary. And I want you to bring me uh, a double shot of vodka in a separate glass. Just put it next to it. And then I'm going to, and then what I do is I drink the top of the Bloody Mary. I take the, the, the lemon or the lime, the olives. I take it all out. I eat the olives, the lemon. I squeeze the lemon and lime in. And then I have a double shot of vodka sitting <laughs> next to my Bloody Mary, and I just pour it in. Pour it in. Topper. I have a, a ready-made topper to go onto my Bloody Mary, and it's absolutely delicious. I can't recommend it enough. The Bloody Mary vodka topper as your as your holiday drink. The only person I love more than Drunk House is Double Gummy Bear House, who I met. <laughs> who I met. <laughs> with, uh, when you and Jacko and Blue Boy came for my belated birthday and we spent all of Saturday watching college football and the Blue Boy brought out gummies 
and had a little more experience than us. And we had a gummy and it was great. And it was like definitely a different way of watching the game. I enjoyed it. I'm not a huge gummy guy because I hate the whole not knowing how much is in, when it kicks in. Do you keep, do you take a little more? But then the other one hadn't kicked in yet. And now two things are kicking in. I've just never been able to master it. So anyway, we do the one gummy. And then around 6.30, we're feeling good. And I think somebody said to Blue Boy, like, should, should we do, like, maybe split a second gummy? He's like, all right, I've already had a second one. And I was like, I'll split a gummy with House. House, you want to split a second gummy? House is like, great. <laughs> and then Blue Boy goes, House, what happened to the second gummy I gave you? And, Blue Boy, and House goes, I ate it. <laughs> so you had already eaten the second gummy. And then you yeah. went into, I guess it could be described as a awake coma. Is that what you would call well, it? It, it? Look, it was a great time. It was, we were uh, in Los Angeles. The weather was spectacular. It was November. I'd come from the East Coast. These gummies, the effect that I experienced was like they, they had this, they created this warming sensation. Yeah. It connected me with the beach. We were at the beach and I couldn't keep track of how many I consumed. All I knew is I was in a warm, safe place with my buddies. Yeah. And I felt terrific. I why why do I need to keep track? Well, I'm just saying double gummy house is a different animal than drunk house. I know it's impossible That's to get true. them in the same room, but it would be really fun to see them interact. Cause I think double gummy house would just be quietly staring at drunk house who would be carrying the conversation, I think is how it would go. That's probably true. And drunk house would be eating more. Yeah. Double gummy house doesn't care about <laughs> with <laughs> this is the in 2019. Uh, Kyle's just marking all of these for later. Kyle, uh, mark this. <laughs> so we had a, we had a really fun golf thing last week that I've been saving to talk to you about. The President's Cup. Oh! You were the only person I knew who cared about it. But then it turned out a lot of people cared about it. And America came roaring back. It was super fun. There were pressure putts. There were Patrick Reed's caddy. Getting into like a legitimate altercation with a drunk Australian fan and then getting heckled and booed the whole next round. Captain Tiger Woods strapping it on. Just saying, I'm going to have the biggest balls in this team Going 3-0, being the first guy in the last day to set the tone, um, showing the leadership and and kind of friendship we had never seen from him. And he he has moved into this really bizarre place in his career of this man of esteem who everyone looks up to. He's kind of like the guy now in a totally different way than he used to be, where it actually seems like he has friends. I described it to somebody today as he's like the guy you never heard from all through high school who was getting a 4-0 and was on the archery team and had all these things and was headed to Harvard and didn't hang out with anybody. But then like the last semester of senior year starts hanging out and going to parties and making friends. And it's like, oh, this is great. I'm so glad we're getting to know each other. That's kind of how I feel about Tiger Woods. Does that make sense? It makes sense. That I, I'll, I'll quibble with a couple aspects of it. First of all, um, he has changed. So... He's uh, a a different guy now. He's not the guy who was a dick 20 years ago. He's m mellowed over time and he 
is benefited by the fact that there is now in his life a generation of young golfers who grew up revering him, yeah. idolizing him, and they are peers because uh, this is the great thing about golf. You can play golf for 50 years and be, and be great at it for like 30 years. You can be great at golf right. from like age 19 up to age 49, 50, early 50s. And so he is now playing with young folks who have been idolizing him, who were raised on his legend, and they want to perform well for him. And he, uh, you know, all credit to him over the last like half decade, maybe full decade, because of all the experiences of his life, the combination of life challenges and injuries have given him a new perspective. And he is ready at this moment to be a leader. And this is his first chance. He was the, the captain of the President's Cup, the United States team competing in Australia. I covered and all this. Uh, I covered he, all that part, House. So already, these, already young covered guys that in wanted, these young guys wanted to impress him. They wanted to show him how much they appreciate him. They wanted they they want to help further the legacy, the Tiger legacy. So the one thing that he hasn't had up to this moment, he has 82 wins on the PGA Tour. He has 15 major wins. What he doesn't have is a bunch of wins as a captain of United States golf teams. And so these young guys are trying to do that part to help further his legacy. And by the way, his legacy is already established. We've seen his giant dong. He has a beautiful, I mean, it's ginormous, <laughs> a, an enormous dick that came out through all these picks between him and Lindsey Vaughn. So like he doesn't need any extra help. He's already out there, but you know, the every everybody's ready to 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 further that legacy. God bless Tiger Woods. <laughs> well said. <laughs> I don't really know where to go. Um, I enjoyed the golf. They won. We're all winners. <laughs> USA. USA. What happens with Ryder Cup? Is he the captain for that or is it somebody else? No, no. It's already Steve Stricker. But but Tiger will, you know, they kind of plan for these things. Tiger will be the, the captain uh, at perhaps the 2022 or 2024. I haven't paid enough attention to see where they are in terms of the orientation. But Steve Stricker is already um, firmly entrenched as the captain of the 2022 team at Whistling Straits, where we may go play. I don't know. We were supposed to go play this fall. It didn't happen. But no, we might go this play spring. together. Yeah. Me, you, and some other, other pals. We might go play. We might go try that course out. Give it some old. I thought it was. Cup, you you know, said 2022. It's 2020, though, isn't it? It's next year. No, but what I'm saying is the 2020 is already set. That's Steve Stricker as the, as the captain. Well, it's what set. I'm saying it's is set. Tiger could be the the captain in the next couple of years. 
it's said until they convince the Steve. They need to convince Steve Stricker to just step down. No, no, Steve Stricker is is from Wisconsin. Like that's that's the, that's a locked in. He's already been doing. We stuff need to we need to impeach the, Steve the Stricker, European captain, and no, we need to impeach him. What do you mean, Tiger? Well, you know what? He does not have a giant. <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> um, the uh, the Patrick Reed caddy stuff was fantastic, and everything I, about the Patrick Reed experience was fantastic. Well, that the thing is, I felt like he was slipping a little as America's villain. You know, he he had this great piece of turf. Really? No, he had this great piece of turf, and I didn't feel like he was protecting it in the right ways. And I think having a caddy get into an international incident, I think, was a, a great <laughs> move for him as we leave 2019. Oh, what about fucking cheating a Tiger Woods tournament? Is Does that help? The, the, that, also, the cost? that also was he great. He fucking put his golf club behind the ball. And scooped out the whole, all the room behind the ball. Like the the only rule that you learn as a golfer, like the first time you touch a golf club, if you want to go play on a golf course, you can't improve your lie. You can't grab your fucking golf ball by your hand and prop it up and sit it up high. You can't get into a, a, a bunker and fucking prop it up and clean out all the sand behind of it. This motherfucker has been playing golf for like, Four, three quarters, eighty percent of his life, and he takes his golf club and treats it like a goddamn shovel behind his ball at Tiger Woods tournament, and fucking is like, ah, I'm just gonna take, I'm gonna clean it out a little bit here twice. It's like taking the shit all over Tiger Woods, yeah. and then he's like, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I did anything all that wrong. The angle was bad, the TV coverage was bad. It's I wonderful. Didn't do it. I don't do anything wrong. It's a, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's. I'm so mad. We talked in Happy Gilmore about what it would be like if we had a real life shooter McGavin when we did the Happy Gilmore rewatchables. And I was saying that Brooks Kepka is kind of keeping a little bit of the spirit alive because he's a dick and he says stuff like, you know, it's not a rivalry with Rory. Like Rory's never beaten me. And he's, he does that kind of stuff. But Patrick Reed is the real shooter McGavin. This is the destiny for him over these next 78 years is to be the ultimate golf villain. It's all in his grasp now. It's great. The caddy thing was great. The fact that Australia has it, now rallied against him is wonderful. It's just a huge win. It's in his DNA. He wants to be the villain. That That's great. It's terrific for golf. I love it. As it, a person that has to talk about golf for the, in, in 2020, I'm very excited to talk about Patrick Reed. There's there's a touch of Kenny Powers in him too, which I also appreciate. We have, when's Fairway rolling? We're planning out the schedule for next year but i think the fun thing about golf now is it really the season is so easy to see now and it really like kicks in starting that phoenix open pebble beach stretch but then just kind of goes all the way through august and then it, and then we lose steam but then all of a sudden the Ryder cup comes back i think the 2020 is going to be fantastic i can't wait me too i mean 20 2019 was an uh, an incredible golf season while yeah. fairway rolling was was sort of dark from the end of uh, August until until now, a whole bunch of dramatic shit happened, including Tiger Woods winning his 82nd uh, PGA title 
right? And, and all this stuff with 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 Patrick Reed. I mean, the stories are are terrific. Golf is is God bless golf. It's it's like a a twenty four seven kind of thing in its own way. I mean, let's not you know it's not like the NBA or the NFL. No, but the storylines are are good storylines. They're fun. And how great was it to be sitting there second week of December? We have prime time golf in Australia. The golf course is beautiful. It's incredible. Royal Melbourne are an unbelievable, unparalleled, like definitely worthy of hosting majors kind of venue. It's warm. Like everything about just sitting there watching it at 10 o'clock at night and seeing the best guys, many of the best guys playing golf in mid-December. Yeah. It just felt like, you know, we're not worthy. What a what a great time to be alive. I loved uh I love the time zone difference. And I especially loved when I got confused at one point after watching it for 40 minutes on Saturday and texting you about Matt Kutcher and, uh, and then you telling me it was actually taped from the night before after I'd put in a <laughs> solid 38 minutes watching it, rooting for our guys, not realizing it wasn't the final round yet. <laughs> so that was great. The Australian time difference. Uh, come back to me. Hey, let's talk about Uncut Gems from A24 and the Safty Brothers. You might remember the Safty Brothers from the Rewatchables. Happy Gilmore. In the movie, Adam Sandler plays a jeweler in the New York Diamond District running around town making crazy bets on basketball games, borrows money from one guy to pay another guy. He's trying to sell a diamond Furby to Celtics legend Kevin Garnett. The actual Kevin Garnett starts completely losing his mind. Meanwhile, everyone in town's after him. The whole thing spirals out of control. And guess what? People love this movie. Did great last week uh, on a screen-by-screen basis. There's a lot of Oscar buzz. Critics are raving about Sandler's performance. All the supporting characters, including Lakeith Stanfield in The Weeknd uh, and Mike Francesa. Yeah, the Pope. He's in this movie. You got to check it out. I loved it. I'm going to watch it again over the holidays because I got the screener. Uh, But it's great to see in the theater. Uncut Gems in theaters everywhere this Christmas. which. Leads me to house. Did you hear? Did you hear the Kevin Garnett interview yet that we did on Tuesday? I, I, I've seen snippets of it. Yeah, I, I would, will tell you already. I'm an all time. I, I I can't I I can't enjoy it enough. Him killing you on Shaq being out of shape is an all timer. Already an all timer. He was so. It was. I loved it so much. And I, you know, I've done a lot of these pods over the years. And you know, when you have the celebrities, they always have their person or their people with them and they're on a schedule and sometimes you have to kind of wrap it up. And when, when one of his people gave me the finger circle, wrap it up like five minutes and then it's like, really start wrapping it up. We got to go. I was sad. I felt like there was so much KG left to explore and Sandler was unbelievable. He was just like, we were both just sending picks for KG and just letting him shoot all over us. And it was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, you were you were letting him shoot all over you. I hope you had a towel to clean up afterwards. <laughs> you just have him back. Just bring him back. It's KG. Like, what else do you have to do? Here's the only thing that I have to quibble with. KG, absolute legend. What's the point of him staying in shape? Hey, like, he's not going to play in the NBA anymore. He can't play in really any professional sport. He's already in perfect shape to play in the big three. So he's not really, doesn't need to be in shape in the big three. In the big three. KG, live life a little bit, buddy. How about a little bit of ribeye? How about the Wagyu that I had at lunchtime today? <laughs> Pour yourself a great big nine ounce Pinot Noir 
and enjoy a Wagyu hamburger. Like, well, he doesn't go ahead drink. And enjoy it. I think. What? What? Well, I think he should I do mean, it. Will that's Chamberlain. something to take a look at, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should do what Will Chamberlain did, and uh, just take Which over is- beach volleyball. Just, oh, just, I'm glad you said take over no, you beach thought, volleyball. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you thought I was going <laughs> yeah, another. I didn't want to have to go into another incognito window well, and look up, you know, twenty thousand. No, 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 no. Come on, the the. Uh, we I took him into Kyle, my. I'll edit that. I t- <laughs> I took him into uh, I took him in Sandler in my office because KG is like a real pop culture. I I had no idea. Like he really knows all. He had the same references that we have. And I took him into and my office. I took him into my office to see the posters, and he was really entranced with the Wilt poster. And it was like, there he is. That guy was the man. And he loved like the gym session poster. It was <laughs> It was uh he just I didn't realize he had that kind of reservoir. I just thought he was a dude that just played basketball. But I think you realize with these basketball players, they have so much time by themselves. Like movies and TV and music are so important to them because they can't go anywhere. Where's he going to go when he's yeah, so in like Memphis on a Thursday night playing the Grizzlies the so next he, day? What's he going to do? He's, su- he's super literate in that stuff, right? Yeah. I would say as he, yeah. he could easily have worked in the ringer in another lifetime. But, and same, you know, Sandler, obviously same thing. Like just wants to hang out with I mean, his buddies and just cares about, um, all the stuff we care about. So like for podcast guests, they were perfect. I I left it thinking we have not tapped into KG's media potential yet. That was my biggest takeaway. Great. It was like, this is somebody that is not, nobody has fi- figured out how to use him yet. It's like the Ravens when they built the, the, they figured out what Lamar Jackson was great at and just built their entire team around him and accentuated all the things he was great at. I feel like that would work for KG. I, he can. He's not a traditional guy. He's not somebody that should be on Countdown. He's somebody that should be in a loose format with somebody pushing the right buttons and sending him certain directions. And then he does his thing. And I don't think Area 21 was like that for him. <laughs> no, that, that's your conclusion, Area 21? That no, wait, I mean, they had him that's hosting it. Like, like, he shouldn't be hosting it. He should be, he's he's the scorer. He, the, he can't be the point guard. You need the point guard. No. Setting him up and putting, he has this incredible wealth of information. Um, anyway, I was, I became, I was more fascinated in him by the time the pot ended. We're going to do a million dollar picks in a second, but let's take a quick break. One more time. Let's talk about State Farm. Remember, just like life, football can be unpredictable. And just like football, life can be unpredictable. Yeah. See how I mix that up? State Farm agents there to help over 19,000 agents. A local State Farm agent, realistically, could be just around the corner. Whether you talk in person, by phone, through the app, or telepathically, State Farm is there. Go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Meanwhile, if you love betting on sports, you're going to really love FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, it's only available in New Jersey, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Indiana. But with FanDuel, winning is only a few taps away. They offer an amazing feature called Same Game Parlays. Other sports books might only let you parlay bets from different games, not FanDuel. You could take the Bills-Pats game this weekend. You could bet Bills plus six and a half. You could bet the under. You could bet the under on Brady touchdown passes. Throw them all into one wonderful parlay and enjoy yourself. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you get your first bet risk-free just for making your first deposit. 
FanDuel will refund you up to $500 in site credit if you don't win. Sign up to FanDuel with promo code BS. So FanDuel knows we sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook promo code BS. Must be 21 plus and physically present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, or West Virginia. Site credit non-withdrawable expires 14 days after receipt. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net or in Indiana, call 800-9-WITH-IT. All right, million dollar picks. We broke even last week, one for one. And the Titans with that we lost, they were plus 105. So uh, still I would have gone against the Titans last week. You didn't ask my opinion. I would have gone against the Titans. Well, I was riding them until they lost. I get it. They did, did the same thing great. with Colts. Yeah. I'm up 1.617 million. Had a little trouble with the slate this week. Um, the game oh, that I the game that I like the most by far is unfortunately um the team that's playing my favorite football team, the New England Patriots. Yeah. So we'll, I get it. We'll start there. The Bills are uh, are plus six and a half against a Patriots team that um the Tom Brady stats are alarming. The last five weeks out of the 29 starting quarterbacks, he ba- Shield Capetti did this. He did a tweet about it and he wrote about it too. He's 29th out of 29th in like all the relevant quarterback categories for five straight weeks. Nobody's open. They can't totally block for him. They're having trouble running the ball because of the offensive line problems. He has no deep threat. All these defenses are now just kind of moving up. They're doubling Edelman. Nobody else is able to get open. And I don't think this is something that changes. And then you look at the Bills and what they did, you know, to a team like the Steelers last week, who it was Duck Hodges and they don't have the same skill position guys, but they're just really good at shutting, shutting not that good offenses down. And uh, so on that end, I think it's dangerous. And then on the other end, can they move the ball and kick a couple field goals and can Allen create a couple plays? Can they get a couple screen passes to Singletary, who I think is going to be a real problem for the Patriots on the swing passes? I don't like the matchup at all. Earlier in the season they played, it was 16-10 in Buffalo, and the game was ugly, and the Pats fans all shrugged it off like it was just a bad game, and it was actually kind of a sign for maybe where the season was going a little bit. My point is, I think the line should be three. I, I think these teams are are dead even. They both have really good defenses. They both have offenses that have really, really struggled, especially against good defenses. And it just, to me, feels like a 16 to 13, 13 to 10, 14 to 12, one of those kind of games. And I don't know who's going to win, but to, to give Buffalo six and a half is nuts. So that's my first one. What do you think of that? I totally agree with everything that you just said. What is there about? what we've seen out of New England over the last six weeks. The only thing that you would point to is like the legend of Tom Brady, the legend of the New England Patriots, the Patriots historical performance at Gillette in December. Uh, the, the, the sort of uh, historical bad performance uh, looking backwards by Allen but none of that applies to this particular circumstance at this particular moment in time. 4.30 p.m. this coming Saturday, the Buffalo Bills getting six and a half. If they don't fuck up on the turnover side, if they don't fuck up with a blocked punt 
this is a close game that's going to come down to a kind of a single possession, and it it should be like a field goal. Three, three and a half should be the line. It feels There's like no you're getting to, to it, think you're getting three free points because it's the New England Patriots, and it's right. it's here. Here's my problem with it, and look. They brought me an incredible amount of joy the last 20 years, but it's a line based on past performance. It's a line that doesn't I have agree. anything to do with who the Patriots are as a football team right now. They're throwing an extra three points because it's the Patriots. And we've seen this in sports over and over and over again. When you're holding on to whatever the past performance thing was, at some point you're going to get burned. It happens in boxing all the time. It happens in football all the time and in basketball, especially we see that we would do this with the Spurs for how many years in the playoffs or, Oh, they're the Spurs. They're not going to lose to the Clippers. They're the Spurs. And at some point it has to end. And I don't know if, I don't know where this Patriot season goes. I'm not optimistic. You know, I still hope the infrastructure can somehow figure this out and their defense is awesome. And maybe there is a last year of Peyton Manning Broncos blueprint with them going forward. I just know that they shouldn't be favored by six and a half over the Bills. I think that's stupid. And if you're treating this like a I mean, playoff game, which it is, it is a playoff game. If this is a playoff game, the line would not be six and a half. It would be three and a half. They had a lot of people sweating last week against the Bengals where the historical precedent for the, the Patriots is, you know, coming off of, of back-to-back losses. They come out, they dominate the a bad team. They come out and and kill a bad team. And they had everybody nervous through the first half of that game. Now they did come out in the third quarter and flip the switch. And it took some, some Bengals turnovers. The defense but flipped the switch though. The, the defense flipped the switch. That's the point. If Buffalo does not turn the ball over yep. and, and beat themselves, then this is a one score game. And we like the six and a half points. That's all. Yep. And I think, the, it, the only way you lose this bet is the Pats defense. I've watched every Patriots game. I've watched every play of every Patriots game, actually. Sometimes sometimes I see 95% of the Pats games, but I've actually watched all the Patriots games this year. Um, it's really hard for them to move the ball. Even like you look at that, the the game two weeks ago um, where they, they had, they ran two trick plays against uh, Kansas City that ended up being the two biggest plays they had, right? They, It, it just was not, it did not used to be like this. And I, I think the sooner people realize that, the sooner um, they'll probably be at peace with how the season's going to end, which really concerns me. I just don't see a path. I The Chiefs and Ravens are going to be able to score too many points in January. And I, it really worries me. I don't know how, Kyle, how do the Patriots get to 30 points in a game? Uh, pick sixes and uh, yeah, defense. And, and the other thing is the special teams isn't that good this year. So you look at the game like this, that's like a field goal game. Basically they're on their fourth field goal kicker. Their kick returners have been awful this year. Uh, the punter has been the only one that's been pretty good. And it, that's like, it's the little stuff like that, that matters in a game like this. So that's my first one. The second one, I want to talk out Titans saints. There's some things I like in this game. The Titans, Lost to Houston last week in a game that they made a couple crucial mistakes in the first half, got behind the eight ball, came back, made it 14-14. Then Houston, Hopkins, and Fuller took over the game. And uh, and they just outplayed them down the stretch. I think people are off Tennessee now because of that game. I don't necessarily agree with it. 
on the flip side, New Orleans looked incredible last week. Um, as good as you could ever look. It's the classic. Now it's the following week. Everybody thinks New Orleans shit doesn't stink. Everybody thinks Tennessee is back to being shitty Tennessee again. It just has all the makings of the classic. The line's going to be three by game time. I guarantee it. Right now it's two and a half. New Orleans by two and a half. I guarantee it goes to three by game time. And it's like, who's taking Tennessee? But then you look, you flip it around. It's like, this is outdoors. Um, it's probably going to be cold. And Tennessee's going to be able to run the ball, I think, because New Orleans got quietly racked uh, by injuries. They lost their uh, their run stuffer. He's out. They lost Davenport. Um, it's not the same team that we saw six days ago. So I, I'm I'm just, I'm marking this one. I know you're skeptical though, right? No, no, I like this quite a bit. Uh, the Saints are 4-12-1 and one against the spread in December and January since Drew Brees' second season in New Orleans. 4-12-1 against the spread in December and January since Drew Brees' second season in New Orleans. That's outdoors. Mm. I'm going to bet Tennessee to win this game outright. Oh. I'm going to money line bet the tiny C Titans in this one. I haven't seen the number yet. I haven't seen where it's settled, but I I, I like Tennessee. I think this is a, a perfect situation to to buy low on a team that we believe in. You were really ahead of the curve on this one. I give you all credit. I got burned last Titans. week though. Well, no, I wouldn't say you got burned. I mean, it was it came down to a single play. It was a, a deflection. Uh, that that led into a you know and 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 some special teams problems for uh the Titans, but like you know they're right there with with, with Houston, and I don't I don't feel bad. I I bet both Tennessee and Houston to win the South. Right, you win either South, way. But, Tennessee's plus yeah. one fifteen to win the game, and they're plus two two and a half spread wise. So it doesn't make much sense to bet the money line. Third one. Oh, then I'm going to bet them with the, getting the points. Yeah, you take the points. Third one, a couple I just wanted to mention. Jets-Steelers. Initially, I was really into the Jets in this game. Jets are getting three at home. They have a chance to flip the playoffs by beating the Steelers. Steelers looked horrible last week. I think people, the Hodges thing... It seems like over and over again, when we see these new QBs, after a couple weeks, the league kind of figures out their quirks and then it starts going south for them. And I'm wondering if maybe he's one of them. I don't know if they're going to have Juju or not. It seems like they're going to have him this week. They definitely missed him last week. Um, it's It's been a lot of smoke and mirrors with the Steelers playoff run. They have not beaten anyone awesome. And then the Jets, who are 5-9, and nine, they're... They've had some moments. They have some some dudes on defense who make shit happen. Darnold is hit or miss, but sometimes looks pretty good. Um, and the case is sitting there to take the Jets. And yet, something tells me they're going to fuck this up. And I think the Jets fans even are like, yeah, I think we're going to beat the Steelers. It's looking pretty. I, it almost feels like if anyone believes in the Jets, it flips. So... I don't know. I, I I wanted to mark this. I really like Jets plus three, but something is holding me back. What do you think? Don't do it. Leave alone the Jets. They are uh, way way too schizophrenic. You you don't want to 
say, oh, this is the week. I feel like this is the thing. And then here I am over on my incognito page. Best <laughs> and there are three entries that, that talk about the New York Jets. You just don't want that. That's not good. That's not that's not how you want to live your life. You don't want best 2019 New York Jets to be part of part of how you're 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 living your your gambling life. It's a stay away from me. As you're breaking the record for most times we had to edit you after the fact. Um <laughs> So congratulations on that. I really want to keep betting against Duck Hodges. And I do think there's a world in which he throws four picks in this game and the Jets win like 30 to 10. But I agree with you. I think it's a stay away. I did want to mention. Just bet the under. Bet the under. Do that. There's a little bit of a, if you bet Jets plus 150 with Raiders plus 255 in against the Chargers on the road, but it'll be all Raiders fans. That parlay plays plus 788, almost eight to one. Ooh, I like that. Then if you That's bet, worth 50 bucks. Then if you bet Jets plus 150 with Cardinals plus 360 in Seattle, a team that has not beaten anybody by more than seven points this year except for one team, that parlay pays plus 1050. Ten and a half But to that's one. a money line parlay. You that's a money line parlay. You can't bet Seattle. Yeah, I don't want... I'm not betting Arizona to win anything. Okay. That's well, not, let's talk about them next because they're they're getting nine points in Seattle against a Seattle team that is another smoke and mirrors y kind of team. They lost Rashard Penny. They're down to Chris Carson and that's it at running back. Um they definitely, I would say if they were a fantasy player, the arrow would be going down a little bit. They barely got by Carolina last week, which was concerning because Carolina blows. And uh, I, I I liked what I saw from Arizona last week. I thought they looked really, yeah. really confident in that Browns game. And I think Murray's getting better. I actually am seeing signs of real life in Murray. And I wonder if the Larry Fitz thing, Kenyon Drake emerging and all that stuff, They if they're a little galvanized by this. So I think they're a live dog at plus nine. Yeah, I, I totally agree with this. Seattle is literally... The reason I opened the incognito uh, no, window. No, 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 no. Leave it there. Up, Leave I'm it not going to make any Leave more bad references. Leave That's it there. It. Exactly. I opened an incognito window because I needed to do some research on Seattle. You mentioned the salient point, <laughs> which is they haven't covered a double-digit spread all season. They've only covered a double-digit spread once, and they they did actually in my estimation, kicked Carolina's ass last week, and then they let them climb back in, yeah. and, the, and Carolina almost had a backdoor cover. It ended up at five and a half at most books, and Carolina lost by six. I mean, we were not that far away from another you know, single-score cover by whoever it is that Seattle's playing against. I like it. Arizona's competent. The combination of, of, of Kingsbury... And Murray is, is is interesting. It's fun. God bless the NFL. Uh, I don't think that Seattle's going to win by two scores here. There's value here. They haven't done it all season long. Let's just go ahead. Arizona, by the way, five and one against the spread on the road. Like that's wow. a good number. Yeah. That's good performance. That's impressive. So let's just go ahead and and, and take Arizona and I'll leave all my right, incognito window alone. We're marking that one. The only other two games I wanted to mention, the Colts, who have not looked good for a while. I think 
after watching that New Orleans game, that was the first game I was really wrong on in, I would say, five weeks, where I was just like, wow, I was dead wrong on this game against the Saints. Brissett is not healthy. Brissett has not even remotely looked the same since he came back from his knee injury, which I'm sure he has a torn MCL or something, and they're just not telling us. But he can't move around the same way. He's just rushed and making bad decisions. It was the opposite of how he played those first five, six weeks. And he seems off. Mac is has a broken hand. He's off. And the heart of their team was Brissett, Mack, and Hilton and their ability to have these long-ass drives. Now they can't do that. And uh, and it was really discouraging. With all of that said, they're playing, they're hosting the Panthers this week. They're laying seven. They couldn't have looked worse last week. It's not possible. The Panthers are playing Will Greer, at quarterback, which seems great. They can't block. Um, they're kind of setting sail in the season. They fired their coach. This does feel a little comeback game-ish to me for the Colts as as a teaser option. Could get them down to minus one house. What do you think of that? I like getting them down. I don't want to have anything to do with the minus with seven. I'm with cover, you. Yeah, covering this number. I, I don't want I want no part of it. We were very bullish on the Colts all season long. We were bullish on them as a future at the beginning of the season. We thought because of the competence throughout their sort of uh, infrastructure from the from the GM to the coach and all the way through that they would be able to withstand the enormous uh, pivot that they had to go through when Andrew Luck decided a week before the season started that he was going to bail on his football team. And that's fine. I hope he's having a great life. But for our purposes, <laughs> we, we bet on Indianapolis to cover seven and a half wins. That's yeah. probably not they're, gonna come through. They're effing us. But that's not our fault. Yeah, they 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 Well, so that's the case. Uh, but that's a case to stay away from this game because we already have enough at yeah. stake with them just winning outright. I just wanted to mention I think they're well, you a good play in a you tease. You pull them all the way down to one point. Well, and you could also pull the Cardinals up to plus fifteen. And you can mess around with the Ravens game, which is the last one I want to talk about. The Ravens are minus ten in Cleveland. Here's the case. Cleveland's a dumpster fire, like just an out and out dumpster fire. Guys are ultimately are are openly selling each other out and selling the coach out during the games. There's been all these bad stories about um, it in the Arizona game, them yelling "Come get me" to the other sideline, meaning "Come sign me after the season or trade for me." Baker is a, a, a train wreck. He, he just looks so bad. I the last five six weeks. He has uh, cratered and looks terrible. And I was so, so, so wildly unimpressed with him last week. It was the worst quarterback performance of the weekend in a weekend where a lot of quarterbacks were really bad. He was just bad. Um, I like the Ravens to completely beat the shit out of the Browns, embarrass them, and they clinch everything and Lamar doesn't have to play next week. That would be the case. The Ravens just take care. They're a really good team. Historically, they're in the the top 10 DVOA conversation, which is amazing. They've gotten better every month. And good teams go into Cleveland, dysfunctional, terrible Cleveland, and beat the shit out of them. And then leave three hours later with a 25-point win. And the minus 10 is scary. But why should I be scared by that? Cleveland fucking sucks. Why am I scared by the minus 10? I shouldn't be, right? You're not. You're not scared by minus 10. 
You would only be scared if there was another zero there and it was minus 100. <laughs> fucking Cleveland stinks. It's Freddy Soup sucky kitchens. He's fucking terrible. <laughs> Uh, the, 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 the poor Cleveland Browns drafted the wrong goddamn quarterback and put him with the wrong goddamn coach. They stink. They could lose by 30 this game. They haven't done anything in several weeks other than confirm that everybody's suspicion that they were enormously overrated at the beginning of this NFL season was true. They suck. They're going to lose by 25 or 30 or 35 or 40. We love Baltimore in this position. It gives them the opportunity to prepare for the playoffs, to rest, put the, 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 the Cleveland Browns in the grave they deserve to be in and pour the dirt over the casket. It's time to go with the Baltimore Ravens. And we don't even need to throw them in a tease. No. That's a straight up minus 10. 10. I love the 10. Okay. Fuck the Browns. All right. Let's do, um, this is the first time I bet against the Patriots a million dollar picks. It could work out either way. If if I'm wrong, then I'm happy to be wrong because my team won. But I, when I see I'm getting three free points, I have to step in. I just have to. I have, let's go 400K on the Bills plus six and a half. Let's, I'm there. I'm with you. Ravens minus 10. We're doing that for 400 K. And yeah. then, and then we'll, we'll put a little, uh, 300 K in the Titans plus two and a half. I like that. That's great. A little why, bit less. Why wouldn't we do that? A little bit less just cause they hurt my feelings last week. I'm penalizing them. And then, uh, and then cards plus nine. Nine or nine and a half. I mean, let's, let's shop for a number. Let's find a number. Here, here's what I'm thinking with that. If they come back and they cover that line, it's probably a backdoor cover. And if it's a backdoor cover, odds are the game is going to be relatively high scoring. Correct. All that we, we agree on all of that. So we could do a little teaser with the cards you tease them up to plus 15 and a half and you tease the over down to 45 would be, I think the move I'm going to stay away though. Cause I don't, I don't like going against Seattle and Seattle. It just makes me nervous. Okay. All right. That's fine. That's old school. The one I My want incognito browser disagrees, but that's fine. The one I wanted to do was to bet the cards as the highest scoring team this week. Oh, but those odds what aren't odds you get for that. Those odds aren't out yet. I think that one is worth uh, watching. I'll be texting about those odds on Sunday morning. I can't wait. So to recap, we are doing Bills plus six and a half in New England in a game that we both think will be a three-point game that comes down in the last couple minutes. Four hundred thousand on that. The Ravens minus ten to blow out, embarrass, humiliate, and end the Freddie Soup era. In Cleveland, Ravens minus 10 for 400K. And then the Titans in the classic um, double bounce back game where you have the Saints just riding as high as possible, only one way to go down, and the Titans licking their wounds coming off a tough loss, but still secretly with a chance to win the division if they can pull off a Week 17 thing, possibly, and then maybe Houston loses this week. Who knows? Uh, Titans plus two and a half for 300K. Those are our three picks. Drunk House, we did it. Congratulations. That, go, 
That's that's it's the it's the wagyu beef of of week sixteen selections. It's the seafood tower of week sixteen selections. It's the it's the bloody mary with an extra shot of vodka of seafood of of of, of week sixteen. And it's 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 the incognito window <laughs> of week sixteen selection. You did it. It's fa- it's great. We might uh we might call you next week for Christmas Day uh Christmas Day gambling picks. So stay tuned. I. I I know this is going to shock you. I'm available. (laughs) Bye, house. (laughs) Bye, guys. All right. Thanks so much to uh, Mallory and House. Thanks to State Farm. Thanks to Square. More than just a little white credit card reader. It's all kinds of tools built to run any kind of business from payroll to online stores. Go to square.com slash go slash BS to see all the ways you can take your business from Square One to whatever's next. We put up a lot of content this week. Don't forget about the rewatchables, Godfather Part 2. Don't forget about Book of Basketball Podcast, Game 7, 2016 Finals. Don't forget to check our YouTube channel where we put up the full videos to Godfather Part 2. We put big chunks of the Book of Basketball pot up. Me and Rosillo also did the best 12 moments, best and worst, really, of 2019 for NBA. That is an hour-long podcast that's up as well. So lots of content for you to enjoy heading into the holidays. If you're traveling this weekend, safe travels. We will see you Sunday night, me and the cuz. Until then.